Welcome to DBAX Podcast. The future technology and stuff. This is the official podcast of the Arizona Diamondbacks. Sports, 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 sports. From the field to the front office, the ballpark to the broadcast booth, it's time to talk DBAX baseball. I just think about baseball. Here are Greg Schulte. And he rockets one to deep right center. That is long gone. And Steve Berthium. In the gap at the track at the wall, and he's got it, A.J. Pollock, wow! Play ball! From Salt River Fields at Talking Stick in Scottsdale, Arizona, this is D-Backs Podcast, the official podcast of the Arizona Diamondbacks. It is our 30th D-Backs Podcast, Leo, Season 2, Episode 5. This is, they never thought we'd get past three. They meaning us. Yeah. That's <laughs> pretty impressive. The uh, you're our mystery guest. Don't blow it. Oh, I got a big setup for you. Oh, okay. This is our final show this month as we get set to turn the calendar to February after this weekend and look ahead of the 17th, which is the first official report date for pitchers and catchers. However, as has been the case for many weeks now, just about every player from all positions has been taking advantage of this facility, and they have been here working out on their own in the offseason. It's a busy place these days at Salt River Fields. First full squad workout officially will be here February 23rd. I'm Steve Berthume. Coming to you a bit later in the week this week, the Lord Commander of the Night's Watch, the Earl of Grantham, the Governor Greg Schulte, is not here. Uh, the Governor's wife, Nancy, as is their want, W-O-N-T, uh, currently enjoying their pre-spring training cruise, Leo, as yes, they, they do uh, every year. So the Gub has his Captain Steubing hat on. He is, yeah. uh, as we speak, strolling the Lido deck. Cocktails on the Lido deck. Umbrella drinking hand. I think they got a shuffleboard hand. tournament a little bit later on this afternoon. He's nails in shuffleboard, yeah. too. Defend their title. I'm told he, he uh, sailed right by the island of Cuba. So what maybe he's doing some scouting. But uh, we hope he and Nancy are enjoying smooth sailing and good weather. So stepping in for the Earl of Grantham on this episode 30, we are very pleased to have with us his play-by-play partner on D-Backs Radio for low these many years now, a winner of 151 Major League games as a semi-famous knuckleball pitcher. He did at different points, Leo, <laughs> in his 16-year big league career, lead both the National and American Leagues in losses. He was sneaky good. Or sneaky bad. Can I leave now? Seven years in Cleveland, six with the Dodgers, the A's, the Brewers, the Blue Jays, the whole thing. One of the all-time Dodger greats. Yes, as uh, he's known on the street. You may remember his tour de force performance as former big league pitcher Hoyt Wilhelm in Billy Crystal's HBO movie 61. He is also, no kidding, a member of the Professional Bowlers Association Hall of Fame. That's big. And we're very glad to have, yeah, should have buried the lead. Back with us on D-Back's podcast, our guest host this week, the great Tom Candiotti. You know, that's when I was trying to get on as many Hall of Fames as I could <laughs> so I could miss games. Now, seriously, you're in the Bowling Hall of Fame. How in, did that happen? In the little celebrity division they have. So what they have is, uh, you know, besides the regular Bowling Hall of Fame for all the great bowlers, they have a little celebrity wing of guys that are very committed to bowling, like the bowl. The first guy that was inducted was Jerome Bettis, who's a very, very good bowler. Yeah, the bus. And uh, I was the second guy. Wow. And the third guy was Lynn Swan. And How about then this? I kind of lost it after that. I kind of lost track. So. Yeah, they, uh, so they sandwiched me between a couple other Hall of Famers. Now you're, but seriously, you're a big-time guy who bowls 300 games all the time, right? 
Well, I wouldn't say all the time, but I have a, a, a bunch of 300s. Yeah, we have one of his certificates up in the radio booth. Have you seen him bowl? I have. <laughs> What's I've it seen, like? I've seen Leo bowl. Well, I know that. Know. <laughs> a couple of those stories we won't. There was that one night in Cincinnati. <laughs> Uh, we had to put Leo on the DL tour once. The, tour the Bowling Hall of Fame with him, actually. Wow. It was in St. Louis. Talk about a VIP yeah. tour. Yeah. Is that where the Bowling Hall of Fame it is? Was. It, it was. was. Where it's is it now? Down in uh, Arlington now. Texas? Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I changed it. Yep. Yeah, it used to be right across the ballpark in, uh, at Bush. Also on the program, he's never been in a movie and, frankly, is a poor bowler. He's <laughs> never won or lost a major league game. But around the radio biz, he's known as a Hall of Famer. It's the producer... The engineer, the man about town, the mother of dragons, the kingslayer, Leo, bad news, Gil Martin. All that is very accurate. <laughs> Candy, we are, you have an interesting schedule in the offseason. You uh, have the boys who are very active with their youth baseball. You have the bowling, you have the golf. You're almost a scratch golfer, too, right, in addition to being a bowling Hall of Famer. It's getting down there again. Your yeah. handicap is one point something? 1.3. Holy it's, cow. It's, yeah, it's getting down there. You know, I've had those knee replacements the last, what, three years or whatever it is, and, and now everything feels good, and the golf game's coming back together. You've mastered bowling. <laughs> you've mastered golf. Still getting a handle on the baseball. He's done a lot. <laughs> Never mastered that, that knuckleball, but. <laughs> well, that's what makes I it work, trying. right? I kept trying. I kept trying. That's what makes it work, right? So during your off-season schedule, what's been your take on uh, on what's happened here with the Diamondbacks? Well, I think everywhere where I go, whether it's at the bowling alley or the, the golf links or wherever we're at, there's a buzz everywhere about the Diamondbacks that I've never felt. And this is my 11th year with the Diamondbacks. I've never felt it like this before. You know, the you know by them going out and getting – Zach Grinke, that was like, I mean, everyone was talking about that. And then right away after that, Shelby Miller. And uh, just adding those two guys to the rotation, it pushes the other guys that might have been at the top of the rotation down a notch. And next thing you know, now you can match up with the Dodgers. You can match up with the Giants. You can match up with whoever. And uh, you feel pretty good about it. What about the idea that when you spend the money for Grinke, $206.5 million, you're in, some people might argue and have argued, you're almost obligated, in a sense, to go get Shelby Miller. In a sense, you've got your Batman, now go get your Robin and go get him. Did, did they need to get Shelby Miller after acquiring Granky to kind of supplement that investment? I believe so. I thought it was an outstanding move. You know, because now I think if, you know, on paper, you can start, you know, Zach off to, you know, start the season. You could put Patrick Corbin right in there and even sandwich him between the two righties. I think it's a good balance, you know, and the other guys with, with Ruby and, and Robbie Ray or whoever the other guys are going to be, you know, they have a chance to develop. And they're not like they're you have a Bronson in a row, you kind of know what you're going to get. Mm -hmm. I mean, these guys have a chance to develop into, you know, mid-rotation pitchers, maybe even top of the rotation pitchers also. So you, you also have – you know, known quantities at the top, but also guys that have a chance to develop really high. And I love that. I love the fact that you have those guys. I remember last year we often said, and it was often said about the Diamondbacks, take Ruby De La Rosa, who we hope to talk to in a minute here, for example. People would say, Ruby's a nice pitcher. He's developing into a good major league pitcher, a 32-star, 200-inning power right-hand type guy. It, it he's got to be a one for the Diamondbacks to succeed. It would be nice if he could be a three or a four. Does, from your perspective and your experience, does that stuff matter to the pitchers 
I'm a one, I'm a four, I'm a two. It does not at one bit. And I remember being on different rotations where you kind of knew, you know, the guy that was going to be maybe the number one guy that, oh, yeah, this guy's going to match up against, you know, Roger Clemens or whoever, you know, the, the, the main pitchers were at that time, Saberhagen. But once you go through the rotation from opening day one, one time through. Because opening day is different. It's a different thing. Right. It's a different thing. And it's just up in the air. So you, if you're the, the, the number four breaking camp, you might be pitching against the number one two or three weeks down the road. So it doesn't matter. You keep that out of your mind. You don't even think about it, really. But you do think about, you know, when you take that, you become prepared for when you're going to take the mound. And then you have your game plan to execute. And those are really the only things that you can control out there is executing your game plan. Whatever happens after that happens. You can't control the runs. can't control guys catching the ball. But you can control working ahead in the count. You can control where you're throwing the pitch. You can control those kind of things, and so that's what you concentrate on. What impressed you about the Diamondback starting pitchers that you saw last year, the guys that were here? Well, I, I think uh, let's take Ruby and start with Ruby. You know, he ended up winning 15 games. You know, he um, at the very start, I think when we were watching him in spring training, you know, I thought well, this is a, you have to almost flip a coin. You weren't sure about his command. You loved his arm. You know, he loved the, the mm -hmm. tools that he had. Um, heard a lot about his changeup and how, you know, Pedro taught him his changeup. So you go, okay, this guy's probably got a really good changeup because he's obviously got a great fastball. And, you know, as the season went on, I think we all saw that this guy really wanted the ball. You could see when he got agitated out there when things weren't quite going his way. And then a lot of guys that throw hard when that happens, they try to throw harder. And I thought I saw games where Ruby – got to that point but he backed off and started trying to pitch a little bit and when I see a guy doing that maybe getting more to his changeup instead of trying to throw the ball through the wall I think this guy's got a chance Maturity. to really develop and, and mature as, as we went on because you love the competitive streak he loves it you can see how and we're, to get back to being agitated out there you can see the way he was catching the ball he was you know slapping at the ball he wanted to get back up on the rubber and, and, and throw he wanted to attack he didn't want to come out of a game I mean, we witnessed that. Where was that at? Where he just did not want to? Was that uh, Florida? Somewhere he did not oh, want to come. Where he was going for the complete game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Did not want to come out of that game. Probably would have went extra innings. One of his best right? starts all year at Miami. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, uh, you know, you, you see the, the capabilities that he, that he has. And, uh, you know, I think he's going to keep making strides in what he can learn from a guy like Shelby Miller, what he can learn, you know, from a guy like Zach Granke. I mean, and just watching on and developing on his own. And you know, I'm excited for him to work with Mike Butcher. I think that's going to be huge for, for these guys. And, you know, some of them have some, you know, some familiarity with them. You know, mm -hmm. Corbin does and, and also Granky Zach for Granky. half season two, yeah. Yep. They have, uh, you know, some fami familiarity. And I've known Butch for a long time, and, and that c there's no one any, any better than him. How about Robbie Ray? If people forget that Robbie Ray is still a baby. He's tw 24. There's not a lot of 24-year-old lefties that throw consistent 95-96 out there. Diamondbacks have one in Robbie Ray. Yeah, and they, he throws the 95-96 with life. I mean, it really has some hop to it. You know, a lot of times, you know, we, we get caught up in the velocity so much, and it's nice to have that velocity. Yeah. But we see some guys throwing 94, 95, 96, then they're getting run up rockets, right? But he's got a little hops to his ball and uh, something they're just not quite picking up. 
And so for Robbie, I think we saw, you know, he needs to get a little bit better with the secondary pitches. And once he becomes better with the secondary pitches, I think he'll be a lot better. Dave Magadan, the new hitting coach, is walking by, saluting Candy. An old teammate, of course. Where'd you play with Mags? With Oakland A's. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for just a little bit. How about this coaching staff? You mentioned Mike Butcher, Dave Magadan, walking by as we speak. This is a coaching staff suddenly laden with experience. Matt Williams back. And, you know, we, we had that, what, a, a few years back when it seemed like every coach we had was an all-star at some point. And, um, but I love the way Magadan can hit. When, it, when he was a player, he was a very intelligent guy. Um, I, of course, Matt Williams, we all know about Matty and, uh, you know, and what he can bring to the table, the intensity that he does have. Um, all these guys, I mean, they, they work hard. And do they, uh, you know, the biggest thing about coaches nowadays is to be able to relate to the players and, you know, be able to get them on the same page with you. And these guys can all do that. These new coaches that are coming here have a lot to work with. There's a lot of talent here, more so than ever, as you mentioned a moment ago. What, from your experience watching the team last year, is the number one thing that this team has to improve on? Well, I think when, when the season was over, we looked at it and we really thought you really got to get a little upgrade in the starting rotation, which they immediately addressed with that. They made it you know, a strength now, I believe. Um, bullpen. I, I think you could you could use um, another arm or two, but you have some some guys that are that are down there that have a chance to really you really don't know who they are yet, but they Silvino, have Vino Bracho, yeah, Jake yeah, Barrett, people bit. like that. There's a lot of options there. Yeah. yeah, but you know they have a chance with a lot of upside, uh, and so you know the guys that are watching these guys perform and, and see what they're like in the clubhouse day after day, watching their bullpens when they do throw them, you know these guys have a better gauge on what. A lot of times, when what we see, you know, we talk to the coaches or whatever when you get your input. But these guys, you know, have their eyes down there and and they see something. And uh, you know, and when you have talented coaches, talented front office people that um, have an eye for talent like that, you're going to see. You know, you got to trust in that, and you're going to see that these guys really have a good chance. Well, let's uh, continue to look ahead here to 2016 and welcome our first guest. All right, friends, it is time. Ladies and gentlemen, our first guest tonight is, uh, he's so good. Celebrities are here in profusion, one after another. Not only superstars, but really super people. My guest. My guest. Would you welcome him, please? Well, one of the stars of the 2015 Diamondbacks in, a, in what really was, Ruby, for you last year, a breakthrough season as a big league pitcher is with us on D-backs podcast. Ruby De La Rosa, what was last year like for you? Your first full season where you get close to 200 innings and the starts and the whole thing. Did you feel like you arrived as a major league pitcher? Oh, yeah, yeah. Actually, like, to be my first fourth season, so one team is really proud for myself. So they got the opportunity to give me to me to, to enjoy that club. It's really nice. We had good, 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 good team in. And it's a good team. So what's really impressive for me to go there every day and try to do my job. I mean, you had days where... Well, many days, in fact, where we would watch and we'd think, this guy is emerging as one of the top power right-handers in this division. Did you feel yourself growing in, into that role? Yeah, yeah. Every, actually, every day I feel like I'm more growing every day, so, like personally, like a, like a baseball player. So that's God gave me that goal for me, so I really appreciate that for that give me to me. So being one of the powerful pitchers and the lead and make myself proud is good. 
try to make my family happy too. Yeah, I think last year, I think every time we saw you take the mound last year, I think it gave everybody, for us watching the game, a good feeling. Okay, Ruby's on the mound. He's the horse. He's the guy that's going to, you know, bring the gas, got a great change up and stuff. But more than anything, what impressed me was how you would compete out there and how upset you would get sometimes. You could see snapping the ball back if you didn't quite have your location or if you happen to give up a hit. You know, how do you, how do you keep yourself um, from getting, you know, you're getting refocused when, when you get a little bit upset. So that's hard that every pitcher is like, actually we have like a bad game to go, cup, go like see back forward and see what you're doing, like the last game, what's good or bad, and try to forget about it, what's going on in that pitch and go there forward and try to make a better pitch in the next time. And to be more like a, a help uh, lineup, I mean, to be the one of the, the uh, first, that I mean the starter pitcher for the team away through Morini or be keep, uh, deep on the game was make me too too happy myself. So everybody's like similar, like you said, like you look at me, and say is this the guy maybe get broke the road, tries to break losing all the stuff. Make me proud, make me proud, make me happy to be that guy. It, a lot was made, Ruby, about you and Welly working together, Wellington Castillo as as a duo. Going back to your little league days, was too much made of that, or did, was it really a help to have an old friend out there with you in some of those moments? That that me a lot. Cause I know he know me like for being child, and we me and him were good. I mean, good. Uh, so was the best of words that uh -huh. like good, good combination. So mm -hmm. you know sure. what I like to do all the time. Every pitch I want to like to throw, and it make me good. Make me good. Make me like myself super happy. Because I know him, he know me, so go there, just give the plan, game, game plan, and go there and see what happened. Ruby, when you um, going into this year now, after having you know very successful year last year, you know you, you got a couple other pitchers coming out there. They're going to be very helpful, obviously, and and Grinky and, and Shelby, and now you know Patrick Corbin's going to be back. You guys have such a great rotation. You know what are you going to be trying to work on? this year, um, knowing that like, you got a good rotation, you've won 15 games last year, you know, going forward, what, do you, what, what is it that you really want to work on this year? So we're working hard in my location, pretty much, try to keep the ball down, try to beat on my breaking board, try to feel it more better, and try to work hard and everything pretty much, and try to, to get more focused and change what I may do, and try to follow this guy with the, the team bring now, so it's really good guys like a, a green key and Miller, so Archie Scarvin, try to follow this guy and try to be better every day and try to compete. Have you had a chance to talk to, to either one of those guys yet? Have you seen them around or have they been here? They've been there like one time, so green key, so I've been got the opportunity to talk. So spin turn or even start, just waiting for the spin turn and start. Try to talk to him a little bit more and try to learn about him. It's really good. I like I like like guys like him. There's a lot of things we had to do to learn about him and how does that beat this guy or not? So it's really good spring for me to have a guy like that. We're, we're told that Mike Butcher, when he interviewed for the pitching coach job, had a different plan for every Diamondback pitcher. Have you talked with him and about his plan for you this year? Yeah, I'll be talking to him a little bit about what's, what is my role this year. Is try to, to be better a little bit and try to go forward and try to compete. Compete, that's the, the key right now and go there every day and do my best. What was the thing about last season that you were most pleased with? So pretty much 
pretty much was in everything. I was fighting a little bit myself, try to be better, try try to they think me the, the the chance to be the guy. Sometimes was the, the chance to do too much, and then you would go there and do, do my job. Uh -huh. So, but we learned it for this year to try to not happen again and try to go there and fighting and try to compete, try to get a W to my team. Because there were there were <laughs> moments we on TV we would call them Ruby moments where we could see that you were a little rattled sometimes or frustrated, and that competitive streak in you, which was so great, sometimes would get the better of you. But that is something that you're aware of then when you have those moments. So from my head, past a lot of things was because like, actually like, I had bad moments. I was through like, a good pitch, they gave me a homer, or when I can't find my location. So I did a little foot train myself. So I put myself, you can do this, so you're not that kind of pitcher, so, so what are you doing? But all this stuff has bothered me a little bit last year, try to move on, mm -hmm. try to do that kind of happen again, and go there, see that kind of happen again then this, this year, just try to don't think about it and just move on to most of what I can. Is that how do you maintain your competitive streak and at the same time put that aside, like you were just saying? So we're working on it the other season about, this, about that, try to... Then just don't think about it. Mm -hmm. So last year I would think about it too much. So I shouldn't went through like a bad pitch or when I can't try my, my song. So this year we're working on it and just go there and, and do my job. And don't think what's going on or what happened that the last pitch and go there and, and figure it out quick and go there and use my adjustment. What's Ruby like to do when we're, you're away from baseball? Sometimes it's nice just to kind of escape from it a little bit. Do you like the golf? Do you like to dance? Do you like to play cards? What, what kind of gives you a little escape just to kind of get away from the grind? I like to play PlayStation a lot. So nice. Yeah? What do you play? Okay. I play uh, MLB. Yeah, I play that all the time too. <laughs> I like to be with my son, try to enjoy it a little bit because the season I have a chance to, to try to, to be with him. So the whole season, I like to stay with him all the time home try to enjoy it. I, I play that game all the time. I, I watch my kids play it. I don't know how to play it, but they're yeah, they make characters up, and they got guys that you can't hit. They got guys that hit that never make an out. It's, that's it getting his cracks phone. That's me getting up. Phone. Yeah. <laughs> any, any other games on PlayStation besides that? No, actually, that's that one. That one I'm horrible on this. Another game, another game. So I like to play the game I can play. <laughs> well, hey, thanks for doing this. Uh, you just finished working out, and you waited for a bit for us to finish up something else. So we really appreciate your coming by. Thanks so much. Thank you, guys, for inviting me. We'll talk to our next guest in just a moment or two here. But first, guys, uh, I don't know if you saw the headlines that came out this week on the Twitter. Big news, big news. A lot of pictures. As, Exciting uh, news. Candy, the Diamondbacks released their promotional schedule for 2016. We will have four bobblehead days this year. Is there a Candy Adi bobblehead out there somewhere? <laughs> um, no, I was really lobbying for a Beanie Baby. <laughs> I can see why that it was, would be. That was the craze back in the late 90s, throw, right? Throwback Thursday Beanie Baby for Candy. Tom Candiotti <laughs> Beanie Baby <laughs> Night Beanie Thursday. Baby night. <laughs> uh, sadly, no Beanie Babies, but uh, we do have A.J. Pollock bobblehead. That's the first one, April 23rd. Goldie Bobble, July 2nd. Keep in mind now the Bobbles will all have the new uniforms. So these are always must-have items, but now more so than ever. Goldie, July 2nd. Zach Granke, bobblehead day at Chase Field, August 6th. And David Peralta, September 17th. How about David Peralta playing for, you know, the Amarillo Goosehounds or whoever they were a couple of years ago. Now he's got his own Major League bobblehead. How about that? Boy, ha things happen quick when you do good, right? It's amazing. <laughs> uh, also, a series of new and exciting giveaway items. D-backs replica batting practice pullover day, August 27th. 
They tweeted out a photo of the batting practice That's pullover. Nice. It is sweet, yeah. man. It's got the new gray color that we're wearing on the road, and it's got the new snake logo with a ball in the mouth. It is really cool. And we've got many special days. As always, Star Wars Night, Bark in the Park, Fourth of July, Fireworks, Faith and Family Night, Alumni Day, many more. You can see the complete list of 2016 promotional items and schedules at dbacks.com slash giveaways. A reminder also, we are less than a month away, Leo, from our 12th annual D-Backs Fan Fest, which is all set for Saturday, February 22nd. Or, pardon me, February 20th, 2-0. It's such a fun day. Man, I'm upset. I, you know, I, went, I wanted one thing to happen this year. What's that? And that was freeze-out day. Uh, candy. It's a great yeah. promo. Freeze out. Completely day. my stupid idea. Candy's of course. A, candy, All right. Sell me candy, on. Sell me on freeze out. Day. Candy is an idea, man. And and they as we're going about it. these different things, and usually when we're about to speak with the commissioner or after, he comes up with some great ideas, and this is another one. And what I wanted to happen was, you know how hot it gets here in July, right at the I'm ballpark. Aware. You know the roof is closed and the whole thing. Right. I thought it would be great. If they just crank the AC where people had to wear jackets to the ballpark. Like you go to the movies a around here. freeze out day. I want it to be like 32 degrees at Chase Field. Was a freeze over the pool. And have I, ice want, yeah, I want to have an ice rink out there Winter at the pool. Winter carnival, sure. I want it to be out. Winterland at Chase Field. Now, who's paying the AC bill for this fiasco? Derek Hall. <laughs> and you've got, you've got this green lit. And Candy has the, the hot chocolate concession that day. <laughs> so everyone would have to bring in 115 degree weather, heavy winter coats to the ballpark to oh, watch a game could, indoors. We could make it 40 degrees, right? Or we save could a little money. Give away parka. D back parka. D back parka day on freeze out day. All right. <laughs> well, we'll we'll float it out there and, and see if anybody likes it. Because you got to do some marketing on this, right? Well, you know, it's so hot. How many days in a row is it 100 degrees and plus? And it'd be nice to just go to a place where it's freezing, right? <laughs> Leo, see, Leo usually shakes his head at me, but this one, he, he kind of looks at his points. eyebrows. He makes some good points. Well, I, you know what we can do? We can test this out at FanFest, which is uh, Saturday, February 20th. Maybe we can ask some of the fans, do a little informal poll. About Tom Candy on freeze out there. We'll have Candy walk around with a clipboard and just <laughs> randomly ask, ask him in July. <laughs> He'll right. do like he'll go yes, like the man on the street <laughs> yes, interview, like Biff Henderson so. used to do on yes. the Letterman show. Oh, that'd be great. <laughs> Fan Fest though, uh, February twentieth, noon to four at Chase Field. This is free, guys. So there's no reason not to come. It was you cannot beat free. It gets better every year. It really does. We had more than twenty-five thousand people last year. D-backs season ticket holders, as well as those participating in the D-backs Give Back Jersey program, get in early. You get in if you're a season ticket holder, or if you're in the D-backs Give Back Jersey program, you get in at 11. Gates open at noon. Now, this is big because they have all these unbelievable things for sale there. I mean, game-used bats and balls and jerseys and bases and old bobbleheads. and, And if you get in at 11, you get first crack at buying this stuff. You know, Goldie jerseys and David Peralta bats and signed baseballs. It's all there up for sale. It's like going to a, a card show. Yeah. Wow. Greg Schulte bobbleheads? Maybe. Yes, they have Governor wow. bobbleheads there, just like the one that's, that's in the big, bobblehead museum at, at Marlins Park. Item, but. but if you if you're a season ticket holder, you get early entry to Fan Fest, you get first crack at all those items. Admission for everyone is free. You get to go all over the field, unprecedented access to players, coaches, and alumni. Autograph sessions, photo sessions, all on the field. 
hopefully more than 25,000 that we had last year, which was a great I, I, day. You know what? With the excitement around this team right now, I don't think there's a doubt that we won't yeah. get more than 25. This might be our best ever. I really think so. Yeah. Uh, Subway D-backs Fan Fest, Chase Field. And you guys will be there. We'll be there. You'll be Maybe. there. I should be there. We're going to be doing some radio <laughs> from there and maybe a podcast. That's also in the work. We that's may do a, a D-backs podcast from FanFest. That's, that's the dream. That's, that's still the in dream. the works, I'm told? Still you're very much in its infancy. You're efforting? Yeah. Well, yeah, we're efforting. All right. That'd be great. I'd keep you there all day, Leo. I think that would be outstanding. I'm, hey, I'm there. What else has he got to do? <laughs> exactly. That's, that's the sad thing. Uh, <laughs> by the way, at FanFest, you can also purchase D-backs season tickets. Through the Select-A-Seat program, which uh, highlights available seats for the season throughout the ballpark, many plans will be available, as well as information on group and suite outings. D-backs tickets on sale now. Individual tickets for spring training games right here. Salt River Fields at Talking Stick went on sale January 9th. Get them now. Yeah, they're going to go fast. They are available online, dbacks.com slash spring, or at the Salt River Fields box office here at Talking Stick. How about this? This place is the Taj Mahal. Of spring training. You think Fan Fest is going to be crowded? Try getting a seat to a spring training game yeah. this year. It's going to be nuts, man. I wonder, Candy, what is this place compared to your first spring training <laughs> site? <laughs> that was with Milwaukee, right? You came up with the Brewers? Okay, the first big league camp was up in Sun City. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and that's when all the people would drive their little golf carts. There's a big row of golf carts. Because that's how they all, the senior citizens all got yeah, around out there. They cross at the red light still when you're <laughs> right? trying to get to Surprise Stadium. Boy, that was it. And then I got a big upgrade because I left the, the Milwaukee Brewers and went to the Cleveland Indians and got to train at High Corbett Field. That was the pinnacle. Tucson, right? <laughs> oh, man, was that bad. That's where they filmed some of Major League. Oh, yeah. 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 Was that your camp? Were you in camp at that time? Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. yeah. You were there, there when they were filming and, the movie. And and not only that, but uh, you know, before the movie actually came out, I actually went to the premiere with Bud Black. We went together. But those guys would come out, and they'd take batting practice with us. They'd hang out. You know, Corbin Bernstein was there. One night we went out with uh, Charlie Sheen, and that was the train wreck. And <laughs> you're, you're the one that started them down you that kinda, path. You kind of slowly, you know, isolate away from them, you know, because you saw <laughs> where that was going. And then um, um, I can't even remember the name of the other guys there. Uh, Snipes. I didn't see him. Wesley Snipes. Yeah, I didn't Wesley see Wesley Snipes. Snipes there. But what was the And the guy that was Jake? Pedro Serrano. Yeah, that was. Um, yeah, he doesn't need to do the State and Farm commercials. Yeah, yeah. 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 Former. Uh, Dennis, Dennis Habert. He's Habert. a good That's actor. Yeah. Dennis yeah. Habert. President. He was nice the president pull. in 24, correct? Yep. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. I never watched. I never got into the whole Jack Bauer thing. Yeah. So you were on the Indians team that essentially a movie, in one small sense, was making fun of for being so bad. Yeah, yeah. That was like. I want to say 1988. I think that movie came out in 1989. I think you're right. Yeah. So the good. premiere in, in right before, right at the in April was the premiere because I remember being teammates with with Buddy Black at that time. We were both pitching for the Indians, and we end up going uh, to the premiere together and uh, watching that thing. And it was hilarious. It was great. <laughs> I never laughed so hard in one movie ever. I still laugh when I watch that all the time. <laughs> watch it on flights all the time because it's on the computer. Oh, yeah. Between that and Happy Gilmore, you can't go wrong. I don't know where Hayes played last year, but I'm sure he did a hell of a job. <laughs> so, boy, I, that's amazing. I didn't know that about you. You're, that's how your movie connection started. Then you ended up. How, by the way, did you end up in 61? Well, how did that, that happen? And when I played for the Dodgers, they always had these Hollywood Stars nights. 
right, where they come out and they do all you know all that stuff. So you get a chance to meet a lot of the actresses, actors, whoever's there. And um, so I um, ran into Billy Crystal, and, and we kind of hit it off. We talked for a while and whatever. This is well through the 90s when I was there. So a little bit later on, um, I'm retired, uh, first year being retired, and, and I got a call from, from Billy asking me if I would come out and play Hoyt Wilhelm. They're doing this movie, and um, he just can't find a knuckleball pitcher. Because it was a very important at bat in that season for Roger Maris. It really was. It was game 154. Um, Hoyt Wilhelm at that time played for the Orioles, and they brought him in just to face Roger Maris so he wouldn't break that record. Ruth's record. So, so in the in the movie, he's kind of portrayed as almost a villain. Yeah, like, no, oh, this I is know. kind of dirty pool bringing this guy in in this big spot. Perfect for me, right? Yes. You were typecast once again. So the part that I did was uh, was in, we didn't film it. It was Detroit Tiger Stadium was the other place, but we filmed it down in L.A. Um, at the Coliseum down there, and they have. They had different things going on. I got my own trailer, which was oh, great. Now and a little VCR, right, with this little monitor. And they had a tape of Hoyt Wilhelm's delivery. So I was in that trailer for at least a minute trying to emulate his delivery. And he had a little tilt. They called him Tilt because he got a, uh, a piece of shrapnel from a hand grenade in, in World War II, I think mm-hmm. it was. So his neck couldn't be – it was always tilted a little bit, kind of like a lefty. You know, so you had him hat. down in a minute. I never had him down because no. <laughs> I knew as soon as I went out there, Reggie Smith would have told me, you're not doing this right, which he always did anyway. So he did. But I, that's how I met. Uh, B- Billy gave me the call, and I went to uh, went there for a week. And uh, that 30-second cameo, cameo that I had, that was about seven days worth of, uh, of screwing around and, and playing pepper and, and pitching. And, and, uh, and you still get checks, right? Yeah, I get checks every it's every once and in a you while. Were in, in fact, uh, the best check I got was for sixty-one cents, and I I just could not deposit that. <laughs> I had to frame that one. You know, Buck Showalter told me once every time they show the Seinfeld that he's in with the cotton uniforms, it actually when you do taxes costs him like ninety-seven cents. <laughs> it cost me like I think about a hundred bucks a year to keep my SAG card. Yeah, I was going to say you were in the actors' union for a while. Well, you know, that, here's, right? this is what happened on that. I'm. Uh, all the extra guys, the guys on the Orioles, the the guys on on the Yankees, they're all sitting in. They have nowhere to go, so they're sitting in the locker rooms, cold as heck, and they're playing cards and whatever. So I have guys come on to my. I get free Gatorades and free soft drinks in my trailer. So I come on to my trailer. So I sometimes I'd have ten, fifteen guys in this little trailer and stuff. So I got to know these guys, and they started talking about how important it is to get a SAG card. That's what they strive to get. I go, what's a SAG card? And so they kind of told me, and so, all right, so you got to have a speaking role or something, which I didn't have. And so I went up to Billy, and um, I go, hey, Billy, any chance I can get a uh, SAG card? And he goes, he goes, yeah, of course. He goes, uh, maybe when we come to the mound, what do you guys say on the mound? And I go, I don't know, maybe just give me the ball. And so he goes, just say that then. So, so, so you got yourself the a script. line. So I went out there, and they came in, and, you know, the pitching coach comes out, and and I'm running in from left field, and and um, you know, got to look all serious, like like I'm the villain, and I just tell the guy, just give me the ball, <laughs> and that was it. And I had to do that about 45 times. Cinematic well, history. Well, now we know Leo why he expects such a royal yes. treatment on the roads, Candiotti, when we travel with him, See, because he wants his own trailer, age. he wants his own VCR. Oh, it's that sad card, and I've used that sad yep. card in many ways. Let me tell you. Yes. yes. <laughs> all right. Well, let's move on now and welcome our next guest. 
May I be so bold as to interrupt your little late night with Larry King live. What an evening, Mike. It's so good to see you. I didn't know you were still on. Ladies and gentlemen, will you welcome one of the magnificent figures? A true renaissance man. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. Let's talk about current events, whatever you want. Okay, I quote. And now with that aside, I will sit down. Well, we're very glad to have with us Randall Delgado on D-Backs Podcast. Randall, we've watched you over the last, well, what, three years you've been here? This will be four now. Yeah. Mature into a really, really good major league relief pitcher. seems like you've really found a role that you are excelling in. Do you feel comfortable where you are now? Oh, yeah, of course. Um, I think, like um, like I said, I was, like, I was trying to learn about starting, being starting and then mm-hmm. starter and then, you know, a reliever. And I feel like pretty comfortable relieving and um you know I've been learning and then I feel like I'm gonna be learning more. But I'm kind of um pretty happy about being a reliever right now. Every guy, every young guy it seems, Candy, wants to be a starting pitcher in the big leagues. And and you were that for a long time with Atlanta and the Diamondbacks. I, is it hard to give up on that and think, you know, I'm really best suited for this role? What what's that transition like? Mm. I don't want to say like hard, but it was kind of like weird for me, you know, like, you know, the change, like, the, you know, there was like one moment, like, I didn't know, even the coaches, like, didn't know what kind, like, what to do. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, like you said, I, I feel like this is my role, you know, and I feel like pretty comfortable with this. And then I feel like, like more comfortable and no, like, I think it's easy. What is yeah. your, your mindset, you know, but, you know, as a starter, you're going out, you're probably going to have to go through the lineup three times or so, reliever, a little bit different. You know, what, what's your mindset between the two? What do you try to do as a reliever when, you, when you're given the ball and they call you to come on in? What are you really trying to do? Are you just trying to let it go, or are you still trying to pitch like you do like with, as a starter? Um, as a reliever, you just let it go, you know? But like you said, like if you have to face like three times a play, uh, hitter, like uh, um, on one game, like it's different. But, you know, as a reliever, you're probably going to face him three times in three series. So it's kind of, you know, it's not like a big, big difference. But, yeah, I can tell, like, uh, I don't know. I feel like I'm just trying to learn, you know, about more about being a reliever. I like it. And I'm really focused to do a good job and uh, try to do my best this year. Yeah, because sometimes when you come in out of the bullpen, your velocity is so high. You were hitting like 97, 98 yeah. last year at times, right? Yeah. And as a, I remember you as a starter when, when you were getting consistent starts. You kind of settled in around 94, 93, but pitching more, right? Like you said, you know, once you're a like reliever, it's not about like, you know, starter. Like you have to keep like sometimes you're trying to like save like your energy and stuff and you're, you're not doing like 100%. Reliever, you're just doing like 100% because you're probably going to be just one or maybe two innings. So when you said it was easier, is that part of what's easier in that role? Well, Knowing that you can just go out there as a reliever and let it go for an inning or so? No, I said easier the way like um, like I know I'm a reliever now, you know. Oh, like I'm not thinking like if I'm going to start or something like that. It's gotcha. like easier just to well, keep my mindset like, okay, I'm a reliever right now, so don't worry about nothing else. But it makes sense that, you know, obviously you're not – worried about going through the lineup three times, you can come out and start throwing 96-97. Oh, yeah. Um, I think that's what, uh, one uh, good thing, you know, about being a reliever, too, because I, I, I guess you have, like, more rest 
mm, about like you know like you can wrestle maybe one or two days and then you'll be fine but you know sometimes i feel like good if i pitch like two or maybe three times if i have to do it because i think like i don't feel like that tired but um i think you know your arm is like a little bit looser something sure. like yeah it doesn't happen all the time but that's what it happens sometimes before the games um do they come up, either the pitching coach or the manager, do they come up to you and say, look, you're going to be our sixth inning guy, you're going to be our seventh inning guy? Do they tell you your role prior to that game, usually? Mm, no, I think you just get to that role by yourself, you know, like, well, they, we have some minutes, you know, like, okay, everybody has to be ready for, doesn't matter the moment, and uh, that's what we do, you know, as a team and then as a bullpen pitcher. So I think just, you know what I mean? Like just Ziegler and then uh, Hardy was, you know, the eighth and the ninth. Right. So and sometimes they, they kind of, you know, they use Ziegler or Hardy a couple of days and yeah. they're not available or something. So you never wonder. I always wondered if a coach comes up to you and those guys are not going to be able to pitch today. All right, you're going to be the closer today or you're going to, or do they just kind of. Yeah, kinda yeah, go. no, they do that sometimes because, you know, like sometimes like the closer pitch too much, you know. Yeah. So I think it's like a really good uh, way to do it, you know, like mix maybe a little bit if it have if it's necessary. But with the other guys, like with me and the other guys, like we're just trying to be ready physically and mentally. Yeah. I remember Josh Colmenter said when he liked being a starting pitcher, but then when he went back to the bullpen again, the phone would ring, and after a while, he learned to get excited when he would hear the phone ring. Did Did you find that to be the case? Oh, uh, yeah. It's kind of, like I said, it's a little bit weird, you know, once you're doing it. But I think, like, I feel like I just got used, you know. And, you know, like, you have to know, like, how you're going to warm your, yourself. You know, like, you have to be, like, so focused on the game because you have, you have to know, like, how quick and how hard you're going to warm up because, you know, like, things can change. Like, you can be in the game, you can stop. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's a, it's a little bit difficult, but you have to get the rhythm, you know. Yeah, you never know how long you have to warm up, right? Because next guy could hit a double, and suddenly it's get in there quick. Yep, yep. Yeah. and you never know. Also, like how, but how long you're going to pitch? Do they want to bring a lefty because a lefty's coming up, or do they want you to extend you a little bit right. more? Because you're a guy that's the you have so much value that you can pitch multiple innings. A lot of guys can't do that. So it, I'm always curious to see how they, if they, they tell you that beforehand or what happens. And as you were saying before, because you used to be a starting pitcher, you can go a little bit longer, which last year, because the bullpen had such a big workload, they needed that mm -hmm. many times. Yeah. Not even, maybe not like a, uh, three or four innings, because I think I, I didn't pitch like that, like as a long reliever. Right. But like kind of like straight days, you know, and uh, – yeah, like I said, you know, I'm just trying to do my job, you know. Sure. Trying to be physically and mentally prepared. The, the, the background with you has always been, or the scouting report, I should say, fastball, great changeup, but the breaking ball has always been a work in progress. How, where are you with your breaking pitch right now? Uh, I think I'm, I'm feeling, I mean, the last year was, uh, I feel really good yeah. with my breaking stuff. I went to a winter ball to practice and all that, so I, I think I feel like, pretty comfortable and more um, um, secure about my breaking ball. Because Mel Stottlemyre would always say, hey, Randall's got a really good slider. I, it's slider, right? Yeah, slider. Yeah. 
he said, hey, this guy's got a really good slider. It's really coming along. You feel that that's the case too? Yeah, like you said, it's coming yeah. along. And, um, you know, I used to throw a lot of, like, curveball before. I can throw curveball right now. Right. But I was just trying to, you know, like, control. You know, you can throw, like, a curveball slider, but you maybe don't have control about it. So I think that's my point right now. Like, I've been, like, feeling better with my slider. Does your the role as a reliever versus being a starter change the way you may use that third pitch for you? Mm, maybe. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. But also, how? You know, like, I'm just going to be, like, a one inning and stuff, and um, uh, I have to be, like, go straight, like, what are you going to do? You know, I can be, like, hesitating or something, like, okay, I'm going to throw this, but, you know, I'm just going to be one inning, maybe two hitters. So that's why I say, like, as a reliever, you have to know, like, more control about your pitches because you don't want to walk somebody. Mm -hmm. And some doing mistakes because you're going to be like laying the game, you know. What about during the season? I'm always curious how I know starters can do it because you have your, you know, your side day where you can work on things. If you had an outing, you go, man, I want to work my breaking ball a little bit more in the side so I can have it better for my next start. When you're pitching out of the bullpen all the time, how do you keep your other stuff sharp if you don't get a chance to get in all the time? There might be three or four days maybe where you don't pitch. How do you keep yourself? Sharp with, with the feel of your breaking ball or change up. Well, you know, when we play catch at the, by the, you know, like three, you know, by the workout stuff around like afternoon mm -hmm. before the game, when we play catch, you know, has a, we use practice in the rotation and all that. So that's the way we mm -hmm. keep it. I remember one day when you were doing that in Seattle where I was getting my preparations ready, I looked down on the field and they're carrying Randall yeah. off the field at Safeco. After you, we were, boy, we were terrified there because it looked bad. Tell us about that day and what happened after. Uh, well, I don't know. I was just, you know, doing my um, conditioning and the agility stuff. And for the first time in my life, that happened. And, you know, for me, it was the worst pain. And uh, I still have a little bit, like a small pinch. My really? Yeah. In my even ankle, now? Yeah. yeah, even now. That's what the doctor says. Like, you're going to keep that. It's going to be there like, for a while. I can mean I can do everything, but sometimes when I do like a like really really hard like move or I bend it, I feel like it's the right an you're um, you're holding yeah. your right mm -hmm. ankle as mm -hmm. we speak now. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Did did they say why or what it was? Why it would linger that long? You know, like it's just a sprained ankle mm -hmm. stuff. So it, that's gonna like it lasts for you know like you won't, you won't get out golf really quick. And then I've been doing my stuff that maybe that's why I feel like better. Okay. But what I'm saying is like if I like if I crouch like really hard or something, I'm gonna feel like small pinch. Like it's still there, you know. But it doesn't prohibit you from doing your. No, no, I do everything and do everything. But when I start doing my like a hard bullpen, like we're now like just doing like practice and just keep the um, the song. Mm -hmm. But I'm gonna keep my I'm gonna tape it, you know, just in case. But okay. I, f I feel great right now. What do you think of the uniforms? Oh, I like them. Yeah. <laughs> like, I feel like, well, we are in the future or something. <laughs> you know? Like, they look, like, really, really different. Man, those poor equipment bags are getting big, aren't they, with all yeah. those uniforms? Mm -hmm. Yeah, all the different combinations and stuff. I think they look fantastic. I like the blue myself. Yeah. The teal. You know, with us, it's really good. And, you know, like, uh, we feel like really good for start this season. You know, the fans like it, too. So that's important, too. So... We're happy with a new uniform. We're ready to go. Thanks for doing this, mm -hmm. man. We appreciate it. Yep.
Got something you want to chirp about? Send it to us on the Twitter. Drop the the. Because, you know, we're all into that social media stuff. All right, our thanks to Ruby uh, De La Rosa and Randa Delgado. Guys, we had a tweet this week from Jim Ellis, who's a faithful podcast listener, one of the many. Thank you, Jim. Uh, thanks, Jim. And hello, Vienna. He uh, tweeted us, Leo, from Vienna, Austria. I, I, I think I acknowledge that. He's, uh, we're yeah. worldwide. He is a teacher who lives in Austria. He is, uh, in fact, himself an author. And you may recall uh, this time last year we had an off-season candy, an off-season baseball reading list. We did kind of a, a book club thing where we all had our suggestions about our favorite baseball books. And uh, Jim tweeted, said he read every book on our list. And he said, do you have a, another list of books for Sounds 2016? Like he said, in fact, this was my favorite part. He said, I even read the Tom Candiotti biography <laughs> entitled Tom Candiotti, A Life of Knuckleballs by author K.P. Wee. Well, I hope he likes stats because that's all that book was. <laughs> I have a copy of... Uh, the Tom Candy. You haven't read it yet? I have yet to. I, well, I have a long list, uh, as we've seen. <laughs> I haven't got to it yet. I've skimmed it. Is it a good read? I've never read it. How can you not read your own biography? I haven't, I haven't read it at well, all. Well, you lived it. Why should you have to read it? You the last look, book that I read. pictures in it. It's not no, like you the, don't know what's in the there. The last book that I read, and this is pretty close to being the truth, was The Cliff Notes of the Iliad. <laughs> the Cliff Notes at St. Mary's? Yeah. That's not a book, by the way. Yeah, that's not the a Iliad's book. a book. The, the Cliff Notes is not a book. It was a book that I bought at the The Cliff Notes is fairly shorter than the, uh, than that's the Iliad. That's a book. I read them. It's, it's a, a short booklet. book. It By the way, my wife was uh, doing a basketball game for the Pac-12 Network and drove by St. Mary's and saw Tom Candiotti Field. Is, is that it? No, it's Lou Gisto Field, but uh, they have, Your name's happen to have something. a jersey, my jersey, out in center field. And, yeah, she was gracious enough to tweet that out and – Send me a picture they of it and actually, number. and actually say, you know, you're kind of a big deal there. Well, just saying, right? <laughs> so first compliment I think I've ever had from her. Well, we, it's probably the last, too. <laughs> uh, we would recommend that you read by K.P. Wee uh, the Tom Candiotti biography, Tom Candiotti, A Life of Knuckleballs. But if, if you have other books you'd rather get to, here is our list, Leo, for 2016. Now, I'm sorry the Gub can't contribute his favorite books. We know Candy yep. has given you some cliff notes to read. <laughs> uh, quick list on th these are books that I've read over the last year, baseball books that I that I thought we would recommend. My favorite one I read over the last year was the Billy Martin biography by Bill Pennington, which is a fairly thick biography of Billy Martin, who's a fascinating guy. Grew up uh, in Oakland in the Bay Area. Great story about him coming up with the Oakland Oaks and playing with Casey Stengel and those old Yankee teams and then managing and dealing with Steinbrenner and uh, the way his life ended tragically. It's a really, really good biography. Billy Martin by Bill Pennington. Uh, Jonah Carey's been making the rounds. Our friend Jonah Carey's been on. Every time you turn on the TV, he's on there talking yes. about the Expos. They had that great uh, yeah. Expos uh, series or show, I should say, on MLB Network this week. Uh, Jonah last year wrote a great book that he's been uh, plugging called Up, Up, and Away, A History of the Montreal Expos, really the definitive work on the Expos. That's a great yeah. read if you want to read about the Expos and Parc Jarry and Rusty Staub, La Grande Orange, and that whole thing. buzz about the Expos lately, about yeah. Montreal in general. Well, you know, they have the two games that they play every year. I think they're playing them again this year. And they play two games over a weekend, and they'll get 100,000 yeah. people in Montreal for those games. They're all wearing their Expo stuff. They want their team back. And everyone, as players, we all love going to Montreal. Now, I always hear that. Why? I, I've been to Montreal several times, 
not to go to baseball games, although I did go to an Expos game. But why did players like going to Montreal so much? Well, I just thought it was it was fun going to a different country. It was a little bit of a pain, you know, getting in there, going through customs and all that other stuff. But, you know, it, it just a, a different uh, – everything was a different setting. The ballpark wasn't great by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> but, uh, you know, they did have some really good teams there, especially in – I remember in 94. Oh, yeah. They were outstanding until that strike hit. But um, I think just something about the city. It's just so it's very international European. and yeah, it's just uh, really beautiful. fun. Yeah. Maintenant pour le hymne national des Canadiens. All I know is Pi 9. That's where I got off. Yep. What? Pi 9. Pi 9. That's where you get off to get to the ballpark. Look at you. Yeah. Wow, Very Leo. Good. Way to raise the bar, Leo yeah. Gilmartin. Well, they didn't have GPS back then, so that's one thing I that's had to remember was Pi 9 and the name of the hotel. Pinuff and uh, <laughs> Leo can testify to those things. Say, <laughs> I still say those are, the, those are my favorite baseball uniforms of all time. The Expos uniform from the 70s, like the Rusty Staub uniforms, Bill Gullickson and, and those guys. Those oh, were yeah. great uniforms. So Up, Up, and Away by Jonah Carey. This is a, a book that's a little dry, but if you really want to get a handle on how Sabermetrics is revolutionizing not only baseball, but the way that teams use this information. There's a book called Big Data Baseball by Travis Sawchick, which is out there, talking about the 2013 Pittsburgh Pirates and how they started out using defensive shifts and pitch framing and some other things, the two-seam fastball, to really figure out a way to maximize their resources using, essentially, data. And all of a sudden, there's this explosion now of data. We can track every pitch, what kind of pitch it was, how fast it was, where it was in the strike zone, where hit it, who did they hit it to, was it in the hole, was it in the gap, everything. You even look at their scoreboard, you know, where they have the radar readings. Yeah. It also tells the vertical break, the horizontal break. Only in Pittsburgh they have that. So it's interesting that it's, we know about this stuff now, but Travis Sawchick in his book, Big Data Baseball, really gets into, okay, now we have all this information. How do we use it? How do the teams use it? So that's what that book is about. Uh, that's a, it's a little dry, but if you're into that stuff like I am, you know, we're all geeks and nerds here, it's a really good book. I read the biography by James S. Hirsch on Willie Mays, which was a wonderful read. A book that I will put on the list but I didn't love is about the 1919 Black Sox uh, called The Betrayal by Charles Fountain about the 1919 Black Sox scandal and how gambling back in the day was just it was so prevalent, it was out of control. Everybody was betting on these games all the time. And they had to try and keep the gamblers and the bookies out of the ballparks. You know, everybody's in there with their suit and tie and their bowler hat betting on these games. And it's amazing, actually, if you think about it, reading the book, that they didn't have more of those scandals yeah. back in the day. Such a great story. A great time. I love the movies on that, I love reading that kind of stuff. Eight Men Out is yeah. uh, Eight Men Out had always been considered the definitive work about the Black Sox, but now if you read The Betrayal, you'll get a different take on that, and it's a uh, it's interesting. It's a, it's an interesting book. Uh, the my favorite book I think I read, other than the Billy Martin biography, uh, was a book called Bums: the, An Oral History of the Brooklyn Dodgers by Peter Bolt Golenbach. Uh, Bums. If you want to read about, if you read uh, Boys of Summer, Roger Kahn, mm -hmm. which is a, a must-read for any baseball fan. Bums, a wonderful oral history of the Brooklyn Dodgers. So there you go. There's your reading list, Leo, for 2016. So get on it. Things to do. Uh, don't forget, fans, follow the Diamondbacks on Facebook, the Twitter, Instagram, the whole thing. We open up 2016, April 4, Chase Field against the Rockies.
Spring training tickets on sale now, dbacks.com slash spring. Or here at the Salt River Fields box office, D-backs regular season, season tickets on sale now. You can pick your own seat, design your own season ticket package. You can, uh, don't forget, they have the select a seat program. Have you seen this? I see people do this at the ballpark all the time. A Diamondbacks representative will take you around the park and let mm-hmm. you sit in seats that you may purchase as your season ticket. So if you go through the select a seat program, they'll walk all over the ballpark with you. You can sit down so you can check out the view from this seat. Or you want to move a section over, you want to move down closer a little bit, whatever you want. They'll let you sit there, and you can pick your seat. And I'm sure they'll have some form of that, if not exactly that, at the Fan Fest. They will. Good point. They will have exactly that, in fact. You can use that. Leo, I you just, are. I finally, this may be on. your best show. I got Leo. my good point in. Just High concentration he has over there. Yeah. But you can do that uh, for your season tickets, the Select a Seat program. Single-game tickets for the 2016 regular season go on sale February 16th. So check out dbacks.com slash tickets. That does it for our 30th show, Season 2, Episode 5. Follow us on the Twitter at D-Backs Podcast. News about upcoming guests and links and the whole thing. D-Backs Podcast brought to you by Beverages by Hoffman, by Martin Paints, Martin Paints at Ancient Paints, and Matzas by Strites. I want to thank Tom Candiotti filling in this week for the Lord Commander of the Night's Watch, the Earl of Grantham, the Governor Greg Schulte. <laughs> well, you're completely welcome. This was fun. <laughs> I should be a regular. It. Between the bowling and the golf, I'm, I'm amazed we were able to book you. And movie talk. And, and movie talk. <laughs> hanging out in the trailer with Billy Crystal. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll start doing our, our eye pick thing. And, you know, we could do that all year, too. We can have them do. Uh, I love going to the eye pick. Oh, I'm Oscar the same way. Pre- we'll do love an it. Oscar pu- preview show or something with them. We should, yeah, you got an Oscar favorite right now? You're our movie guy, as close as we'll get to a movie guy. Well, let me just tell you this. By ha- being a SAG card member, <laughs> Now, I was under the impression that your SAG card these. had expired, though. No, no, no. Did I keep renew? it up every year. All right. All, you get sent all these movies that are still in the theaters. They send you the DVD? Yeah, the DVD. So. Now, you don't, do you vote? Yeah, I get votes, too. Hold on. Stop the show. <laughs> I'm not you, kidding. You vote for the Oscars. I have a vote. You have a vote. Do you I exercise have. your vote? Once in a while. <laughs> if you feel so inclined, once in a while, would you, did you vote? Would for you like to vote for me? Year? No, I, I would didn't. love to vote. I, I, I didn't who vote. wouldn't want to vote for the Oscars? That'd be fun. I did why didn't vote. you vote? See, this is the kind it's of just why would I don't even know those movies? I hadn't seen any of them yet. You have you just told us you have all the DVDs in your house, I, but I haven't watched them. He Leo. doesn't know how to work the DVD oh, player. <laughs> see, this is where we go off the rails. <laughs> all right, so get to work on that. We'll get back to you. We'd also like to thank uh, the Kingslayer. Leo, bad news, Gil Martin. This was, I think, your strongest show. Eh, I don't know. I think it was strong just by getting Candy to come in and yeah. co-host. I, I think, I, I think this is your strongest show. No. I've never laughed so hard in my life. We'll, well, edit, we'll have to edit parts out. That's where Leo, <laughs> Leo's work is still yet to be done. This is where we're going to hurt ourselves patting each other on the back. All right. Well, you hopefully, the, No, you were great. No. <laughs> hopefully the Gub has another great. week of smooth sailing, smoother than we've had on this show, certainly. Uh, I'm Steve Berthune. Thanks for listening to this episode, and we'll talk to you again next week from Salt River Fields here at Talking Sticks. So long, everybody. This has been another edition of D-Backs Podcast. The game is over. The Diamondbacks have got to win here. Thanks for listening. It's over. Go home. We'll see you soon at Chase Field for more D-Backs Baseball.